from the first chapter of Mark, verses 4 through 11. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then all the people of the Judean countryside and all the people in Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And as he was coming up out of the water, the heavens were torn apart, and the Spirit of God, like a dove, descended on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Word, the Word of God, God for, for the, the people, people of God. Thanks be to God. Mark the Gospel writer might as well have been Mark the movie screenwriter if you look at his Gospels compared to the others. No other Gospel writer tells the stories of Jesus with quite the special effects and flashing lights and booming sounds like, a, like scenes from a Hollywood summer blockbuster quite like Mark. As an example, think of the story of the disciples who were caught in a violent storm on the Sea of Galilee, and their boat was being buffeted by the waves so much that Mark, only Mark, is the one to say that their boat was being swamped. No other gospel writer writes with that kind of vivid imagery. There's that story of the woman who had been suffering from hemorrhaging for many years, and at that moment when she reached out to touch the hem of the cloak of Jesus, only Mark is the one to say that at that very moment, a power surge left Jesus and entered the woman's body. I can only imagine the computer special effects people of industrial light and magic rendering that scene when the, when the power left Jesus and came into that woman's body. So many stories from Mark are written with that kind of vivid detail. But before any of them, there was this one, right out of the gate from the Gospel of Mark, just four verses into the Gospel, we hear this story that Flossie and Brian just rendered for us so dramatically that very moment when Jesus was baptized and when he came up out of the water, Mark, and only Mark, says that the heavens were torn apart, ripped apart, according to the original Greek, 
And that spirit came down upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And then that loud, booming voice from the heavens. You are my child, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. The way Mark describes it, that had to be a baptism worth remembering. But Mark tells us this to encourage us to remember this one fact, that that kind of earth-shaking, heaven-rending, cosmos-shifting event happens not just when Jesus was baptized 2,000 years ago, but whenever anyone is baptized. In fact, it happened when you were baptized. And that's worth remembering, too. Now, I know it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget how amazingly earth-shattering your baptism was, given the fact that most of the time when we do baptisms here in the sanctuary, they're much more timid, right? When we do baptisms here, there are a lot of oohs and ahs. Not a lot of shock and awe, the way Mark would have us believe. When we do baptisms here, oftentimes it's in the form of a little baby, like the two young children that we will baptize later in the service, dressed in beautiful, adorable baptism gowns, overlooked by very proud parents and godparents, with even more clicking and snapping of smartphone cameras from the family in the front rows. And then there's that moment when I lift the child up like Rafiki lifting up Simba. (laughs) And all of you animals out there in the savannah just trumpeting your applause and your cheer. And just like that, the baptism's over. Everybody claps, the family returns to their seats, and at the end of the service, there's a lot more smiles and picture-taking and hugs, and the baptism is done just like that. Nothing remotely close to the heavens opening up and a spirit descending upon us and us hearing the voice of God. But Mark would have us believe that that is exactly what happens in the kingdom of God whenever anyone is baptized, and that's what happened in yours. I think the early African-American church came pretty close to capturing the energy of that moment in the ways that the black church used to observe baptisms. Back in the early 19th century, when the black churches observed baptisms, it was a community-wide event. Hundreds of people would gather at a local river And there would be crowds of people shouting and celebrating as one by one, each of the baptismal candidates would file into the water, each of them dressed in all white. And they would go down into the water. And the moment they would come up from the water, there would be heaven-rending shouts of jubilation. They would say all sorts of joyous phrases having to do with the Holy Spirit. Things like, they're catching the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost's got another one, or they're invoking the Spirit, and there would be joyous celebration. And it would be a reminder of the way Mark would have us remember what baptism really means. It is the kind of thing that we often would forget in traditions where we do just sprinkling of water. 
not full dunking immersions. But when you were baptized, that's exactly what happened. Whether you were poured on or sprinkled or even if you were fully immersed, the moment you went down into that water and experienced the water, you identified with the burial of Jesus himself who went down into the depths of the human condition and removed from us the grime and the dirt and the caked-on mud of our sin so that when we emerged out of our baptism, we identified with the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we could attain new life. And that is nothing less than a mind-altering, heaven-shaking, cosmos-shifting event because from that moment on, the trajectory of your life was changed forever. Your identity was reframed. You were given new purpose and new meaning. For the rest of your life, there would be all sorts of other influences that would try to get its hands on you and try to squeeze you into its mold. The culture and the world around us would try to assign you a different kind of identity, an identity that was based on achievement or glory or status or wealth or fame. The culture would try to put a new purpose and a new meaning on you, but because of your baptism, The life trajectory has changed, and now you've been given new meaning and new purpose, identifying with Jesus Christ so that this is your new identity. You are a child of God, and nothing would ever take that away from you. And today, that's what we're called to remember. On the second Sunday of every year, we observe Baptism of the Lord Sunday, where you will hear once again these words, remember your baptism and be grateful. Now, when I say that, I'm not inviting you simply to remember the day that you were baptized. And I'm not inviting you simply to remember the specific details of the moment when you were born, because frankly, if you were like me, you were much too young to remember anything about when you were baptized. Instead, when I say remember your baptism, I really mean remember that you are baptized. Remember what that baptism means. Remember who you really are and remember what that baptism has called you to do. Remember that Because you are baptized, you are no longer your own, as John Wesley says, because you belong to God. Remember that even though the world would try to get its hands on you and reframe your identity into something less, God has claimed you and given you new purpose and meaning as a child of God. And remember that because you are baptized, you are called to new responsibility as it says in your vows, to resist evil, to renounce sin and evil and wickedness and injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Because at the moment you were baptized, the heavens were torn apart and the Spirit came upon your life and you heard these words that are easy to forget. But we must remember today, you God's child. God loves you, and God is very pleased with you. It might be easy to forget that, especially if if you have lived a difficult life and experienced hurt and harm or caused heartache to others. 
especially when there's so much bad news out in the world and perhaps in our own relationships, it might feel like the realities of life have gotten caked on like mud or grime on our souls. So every once in a while, it is important for us to remember who we are and be cleansed once again by the waters of God's grace. Back in 2011, a movie came out by the acclaimed film director Steven Spielberg. When it came out, it was heralded by the critics. It even garnered a nomination for Best Picture by the Academy, but it was largely ignored by the box office public. It was a movie called War Horse, about a thoroughbred that was born in 1914 to a young teenage farm boy who raised that horse from a pony. The two of them were inseparable as they played and worked in the fields. But shortly after the beginning of the film, as fate would have it, the boy and that horse would soon be separated. Through one series of events after another, that horse changed hands time and time again. The horse was purchased at one point and then traded and then eventually even stolen from not only one person to another, but from one country to another, from one warring side to another. Because as we soon discover, that horse would experience firsthand the brutalities of World War I. Employed first by the Germans into battle and then stolen by the other side, by the French, and then employed into battle against the Germans. And then toward the end of the film, the horse would return to the German side once again. And then, at the very end of the movie, as the horse was entering its elder years, the horse would change hands once again, this time up for auction, and one at the auction block by a butcher who was preparing the horse to meet its demise. And then, suddenly, in the climactic scene of the film, a face appears from the crowd. It was none other than that teenage boy who raised the horse from its infancy. That teenage boy who was now a grown man, blindfolded, blinded because of injuries that he himself incurred in battle in World War I. He emerged from the crowd before the horse was shot. He came and he said, that's my horse. That's my horse. The problem, of course, is he needed to prove it to the crowd. And in the scene that you're about to watch, you will experience the great lengths that that original owner would go to prove that horse's true identity and the way that he used water to prove it. Now, because of copyright laws, we're not able to show it online. So to all of the folks who are watching online right now, we will see you in about 3 minutes and 39 seconds. And we're working on putting the link on the website so you can watch this powerful clip 
from this amazing film called War Horse, where you too can be invited to remember your original identity through the washing of water. I have to say, I think that now ranks as one of my favorite Spielberg film moments of, of all that I've seen, because my hunch is that many of us, if not all of us, can identify with that horse. Given the brutality and difficulty and hardship that you might have experienced throughout your life, you might feel a lot like a horse that's been through battle caked on your soul with all sorts of difficulties that you never dreamed you would have to go through, confronted by all sorts of influences that have tried to remove your original identity from you, to try to convince you to be something that you shouldn't be, or to try to convince you that you're something that you're not. And we come to this moment on this second Sunday of January, feeling brutalized by the brutality of the human condition. But, but, and I know the screen was a little dark for you all to see, but did you see that moment when the general took that wet washcloth and started to scrub away at the horse's forehead? Unmistakable sign of the cross that ultimately revealed the white identification of that horse's owner unmistakably, that is what we rediscover when we remember that we are baptized. And that's what I'll invite you to do in a few moments, to come forward and touch the water, maybe even making the sign of a cross on your forehead, to remember who you really are and to whom you really belong. Before I invite you to come forward, in a moment I'm going to invite you to stand and reaffirm the very same three vows that were spoken on your behalf when you were baptized, if you were baptized as a child, or that you received at the moment you were baptized. Same three questions. And each one will have the same two-word response. I do. That's all you'll have to say three times. I do. Remember, I'm not asking you to say, I did. And I'm not asking you to say, I will, because we are not reaffirming the faith that we once had in the past, or a kind of spiritual identification that we once claimed with energy and vitality. And we're not declaring our intent to one day get back on track in our path with Jesus. We are talking about right now, I do actively, in the present tense, in an ongoing way, remembering that we belong to God and that we will reaffirm, that we reaffirm in this moment our commitment to do and be all that God has called us to be, especially to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms it presents themselves. After we reaffirm those three vows, I'll ask you then to come forward and touch the water for yourself. And we have two options for you. The first is you might simply choose to come to the baptismal font, coming down the center aisle, and touch the water for yourself, perhaps making the sign of the cross or just touching it to your fingers and then returning to your seat along the outside aisle. Or you might even have the, the, the choice, you might even choose to come past the font and take a place here at the altar rail 
where you can come and stand or kneel as long as you wish to be in prayer, and Sally and I will have bowls of water, that very same water, for you to touch the water for yourself. And for those in the balcony, we'll have a bowl for you up there unless you choose to come down to the font or the altar rail. Now, it could be that you've never been baptized, and that's okay. You are still invited to come forward for this moment to touch the water for yourself because it might be for you a significant next step in your spiritual journey that one day will lead to your own profession of faith in Jesus Christ and your own baptism someday. Regardless, this is a moment for all of us. Having been through the brutality of the human condition, having caked on grime, dirt, and mud on our souls that would try to convince us of something else that we're not, to remember with clarity these words that were spoken at our baptism that God is speaking to you in this moment. You are my child, my beloved, and I am very well pleased with you. That, that's worth remembering. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of water, for the gift of baptism, and that which it signifies. We thank you that in this moment you have reminded us of that earth-shattering, heaven-rending moment when you claimed us as your own in our baptism. How easy it is to forget that. We are so easily distracted by the pressures of life and the realities of our existence that we forget who we really are. So in a few moments, give us new clarity to remember our identity and our purpose. We thank you, God, for claiming us, and thank you for calling us to build your kingdom, to resist injustice, to profess our faith in you, and to be part of your work in the church that makes your love real each and every day. Bless these holy moments as we come forward. We thank you for the gift of remembrance as you call us back to yourself. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, and let all God's people say, Amen.